0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday Episode 146 Vinnie Hardy and Terry Brown here Bringing another fun show 845-277-9373 Give us a call At Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter Terry, Mr. T.B. Brown How are you this evening, sir? I'm doing
2: fantastic There's a a lot going on You know, we got... uh great great guests uh lined up but there's a lot to to talk about uh Kentucky related, NBA related. Uh there's a there's a lot going on in the sporting world right now.
1: Absolutely. All kinda of great stuff to get to. a uh, little NBA noise. Um, Kentucky football, Kentucky basketball. You mentioned our great guest, the Kentucky Voice himself, the voice of the cast, Mr. Tom Leach, will be here at 6.30. Uh, had him on a couple of years ago, so we're excited to have him on again. Um, you got basketball news or personal nature. Can't wait to hear about that. So, uh, <laughs> man, just wherever you want to jump into first between now and, and Tom Leach, let's just jump in, man. Well,
2: I, I think that... Uh... You know, everybody knows, longtime listeners will know that on Tuesday nights I play basketball. Uh, I've been playing with the same guys for about seven, eight years, and it's just it's a fun activity, even though I'm a little bit older than when I started. Uh, but one of the guys I play with is a good friend with Luke Hancock, year 2013, the most outstanding player of the Final Four. Uh, the Cardinals, Louisville Cardinals, won their championship. So he's played with us several times before, but he was back after a little hiatus last night, and I, and I got to play with him a little bit uh, out there, and, uh, and it was it was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I was a g I was playing against him, and
0: uh, and
2: again I, I stress this to folks. Everybody has a friend that says, "Oh, I could have been D one. I could have been this, that, and the other," and no. No, I mean, the, the gap is just too wide. And when you see what he's able to do and just how consistent he is with his shot and then just what ha- – no, no, it, no. You, you're not going to the, – the gap is just too wide. Uh, but, but last night I avoided getting dunked on. It was kind of a breakaway situation. And he Whoa. was coming down with the ball. And I just did that where you just kind of run across the guy's field of view he kind of just enough to bother and distract. And uh, he was protecting the ball. I caught an elbow to the chest, uh, and he missed that layup. But I, I think that had a lot to do with the defensive presence uh, that I was bringing. <laughs> that,
0: <laughs> so, oh, no, no. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> fun, fun time. Uh, you know, uh, Tuesdays, uh, basketball lead to some slow Mondays. Uh you know with the the hips And the uh the knees not quite responding like they used to but but It was it was a fun time and it's Always good to have uh when when Luke is able to come out um You know There's there's always the 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 guys That want to try to challenge a little Bit and 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 really come At him uh you know that's kind Of par for the course but uh he takes It all in stride he's a really great Guy you know for a cardinal Uh so I, you know, with all the stuff that we've kind of documented going on with the University uh, of Louisville, both athletically and academically, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't bring that up at all. Obviously, I'm, I'm not that type of person. You know, I got some friends. Oh, you should say X, Y, and Z. No, I mean, there's a time and place for that, and, and playing basketball is not that time, and uh, in, in place for it. So. Uh, He's getting to where he sees me. He, you know, we kind of acknowledges me on site now. Luke does, because uh, of my vast jersey collection. Uh, he's kind of <laughs> impressed by that. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm the jersey guy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and just real quick before we move on, the first time I, I played against Luke was the Tuesday after Louisville was eliminated in the NCAA tournament. Right, they got eliminated by Michigan in the second round. And so I had it in my mind. I had my tractor-trailer Michigan jersey on because I'm going to really all of my friends. And I'm going to have some fun and just, oh, you know, I just put this together. I wasn't even thinking about that, you know. So I walk in, and here comes Luke Hancock. And I'm like, oh, wow. And so he looks at me, and he smiles, and he says, you know, I remember when we played Michigan one time. I'll oh, wow. <laughs> be Playing <laughs> Michigan in the title game of 2013. Uh, uh, my buddies loved it because you know I'm not a trash talker, but I get my digs in. But they're like, "There's nothing you can say." I was like, "What can you? What, how can you come back to? Uh, how you can? How can you respond to the MOP? How can you respond to that?" Uh, but one thing I did say last night, we were all just kind of talking. Uh, about the NBA trade, and I know we're going to get into that and talking about shooters. And uh, I did say that uh, you know Luke's got a very very nice jump shot, but it's, it it really can't compare to our boss V Cameron Mills who hit the shot oh. heard around the bluegrass. So yes. uh, as far as as far as former college players I know, uh, yeah, I'm gonna put my money on my man. Uh, uh, Cameron Mills uh, uh, to hit to hit some big sign shots as well. So fun time, you know. I always a, enjoy uh, my Tuesdays. Got to get you up here at some point for a Tuesday to get a little bit of run in uh, with my guys. I know. But uh, but a fun but a fun time, you know. I I enjoy it, and uh, it was it was a good time last night.
1: Now for y'all just tuning in, talking about Terry Hooping last night. Uh, and his encounters with Luke Hancock, former Louisville Cardinal. Now, if you don't run across his face on that breakaway, is he going to go up and try to cram that one down? Is he going to go up and dunk if he was going to lay it in? What do you think he was going to do? I mean, you prevented the dunk, but what do you think he does if you don't run in front of it?
2: He was going to cram it because he had another breakaway. Oh, okay. And and, and he, he, he crammed on us. And, uh, and, and, this is, and this is the thing, though. It's like, okay, yeah, we know he's a shooter. But these guys, and I've had the ability to play with some other, uh, you know, top-tier ball players, um, I, it's, it's the body control. Like, just, like, even if you're, he's driving and you're going to foul him, like, that is your intention to come across. You know he yeah. can still have that body control to get the shot off. Like it's just it's it's just amazing. And I, I say this a lot uh, when I watch you know basketball just in general. But just if if you're playing basketball or whatever sport it is, just staying balanced is is a huge huge thing. You you know what I'm talking about from a quarterback you know throwing just shooting your jump shot, uh, a batter batting just staying balanced is a huge huge part of it. And uh, just watching Luke up close, you know, take some bumping and grinding and still just get himself balanced and square to shoot, that is amazing to me. So, uh, but the answer to answer your question, yeah, he was probably going to cram. So I, I, saved, I saved my team a couple of points. You know, I, I'm not going to slide yeah. in and take the charge because I ain't got right. that life. I'm making a business decision, you know. So I'm making my business decisions here. And uh,
1: <laughs>
2: so, but it, you know, like I said, it, it's fun. Uh, I, I definitely enjoy uh, basketball. Uh, I, you know, I keep telling Luke he's got to bring some of his other boys up there. Uh, with oh, and real quick, the funny thing from yesterday was I, I know we've kind of seen that report. <clears throat> I think I actually uh, tweeted it out uh, of Drake at UCLA playing ball in the full Kentucky. Uh, uniform. So yeah. not to be outdone, your boy TB was in full Kentucky head <laughs> you know, top oh. to bottom uniform last night. So yeah, not the picture that I've, I've tweeted out where I'm in the uh, 1994 zigzag uh, shorts. Yeah. The, the, uh, not the 93-94 zigzag shorts. Uh, the Mark Pope jersey, which I have. I've got the Ramel Bradley, I think 06-07 uh, Head to toe oh, okay. uh, Jersey that, that I will wear Not to be confused with the Jeff Shepard 1998 Head to toe That I have as well I, I generally do not yeah. do that I generally don't have Head to toe uh, I generally play in Kentucky shorts And then just kind of mix and match my, my Jerseys but uh, yeah right. Head to toe specifically uh, to kind of like, well, if Drake can do it, let TB one up him a little bit. So, Uh-oh. Uh, but like I yeah. said, it, 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 you know, I, I need to I need to get that picture out there. You know, Champagne Poppy, get him out there on Twitter. It's like, what you got? I can I can roll with this. <laughs> what you got? You know. <laughs> uh,
1: one last question too: How, you know, we talk about the uh, the level that Division One athletes are on and. The reality check when you get to play with them, and even in a pickup setting, you can see the skill and just like the whole another plane that they're on. How hard would you say Hancock goes when he comes to the gym? You know, is he just messing uh, around? I mean, it's, it's
0: not.
2: But and that's the thing is he, he can get his shot whenever he wants. I mean, that he can get mm-hmm. to the rim. Uh, but he, you know, he, I would say about 60%, Uh, because Ooh, I asked okay. him one time we played, you know, those people that, that kind of know his thing, that little, that pump fake on the three, get you up in the air and, and draw the foul, I asked him, I said, you yeah. know, uh, I said, why don't you do that here? And he said, I really don't need to do that to get my shot off. And I was like,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm like, okay, okay. Now, just being honest, I don't need to do that.
2: <laughs> that that was that was humbling. And the thing is, you know, uh, I don't think people that aren't really—if you're not really around, like—and I, I don't know how tall Luke is, six three, six four, maybe. If you don't know anybody that's six three, six four, that's fairly tall. I mean, that's that's, and I don't consider myself a midget. You know, I'm five ten, five eleven, there about. But just. You just, He's just tall, and, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to guard him a couple of times, and he goes up on his jump shot, and it's like it's textbook because, you know, he releases at the top. It's good and high and over his head, and I'm like, I've got no chance in affecting this shot at all. So it's like I'm not even standing yeah. there. It's just wow. – it's it's humbling as a basketball player. Like It doesn't matter what I do. I can't do anything with this guy, so – Right, uh, and then you just say, and you say to yourself, well, "He was a decent D one athlete. I mean, I wouldn't. He wasn't yeah. all American, but then you kind of extrapolate mm-hmm. it out, like if he's able to do that, oh my goodness, you know. So I, I've been right. telling people, you know, if you're at the bars and you're whatnot and you hear somebody saying, "I could have done this, that, and the other," no, man, <laughs> you
0: no, know,
2: you know, the 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 guy on the NBA, end of the NBA bench will eat your lunch don't don't believe the hype and say oh this guy he's got to be trash you know he may be trash in comparison to LeBron James but that guy at the end of the uh, Cavs bench at the end of the Warriors bench that guy will come up and and eat your lunch and and dinner too so yeah don't believe that hype. do not do that (laughs) Unbelievable.
1: unbelievable unbelievable Well, that was cool, I definitely. It's always cool getting updates on on the Tuesday night basketball action, and I definitely got to get up there uh, one of these Tuesdays uh, to do it as well, to play with y'all. Um, before we get Tom Leach on, we'll talk tons of U.K. football, especially with the season approaching. Got a touch of basketball, too. We got the alumni game, the Legends game, and all that coming up. But... um you know, we will branch out and hit music, hit comedy, uh, food, like we always do. For those of you who listen, you guys know we'll hit on all those topics. Lost a couple of living legends over the past week. Uh, both of them had, you know, connections to comedy um, and even bigger things, you know, television, acting, movies, activism, things of that nature. And I'm talking about Dick Gregory and Jerry Lewis, Dick Gregory, 84, and the next day, Jerry Lewis, age 91. Both of those guys passed away. Both of us were kids, but we knew who they were. You know, everybody seen our age and up, seen old Jerry Lewis movies on television, uh, seen old clips of his slapstick comedy, seen old clips of Dick Gregory's comedy and what he did uh, from an activism standpoint. But it was just sad to see both of those men pass away. So definitely had to mention that as well. Yeah, and their and their impact it was comedy, but it was
2: it was a whole lot more and it's it I think it's it's hard to uh in this day and age really kind of see how pioneering they were. Uh you know Dick Gregory coming along in the 60s and his kind of activism mixed with comedy uh yeah. you know he was right at the forefront of a lot of things that went down in the '60s, with the civil rights movement, he he, he did the same kind of comedy as uh, the insightful stuff, like a like a Chris Rock. Very, uh, I mean, obviously hilarious, funny, but was able to kind of dissect American society with insight. Do it with a wink and a nod, but then also do right. things like, yeah, I'm 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 joking about this, but there's some serious stuff we need to be about,
0: and, and, and making a point, and, yeah.
2: Right, right, and then Jerry Lewis, we all know about you know Jerry's kids and what he was able to do for muscular dystrophy. That was the Labor Day thing. That's how I knew Jerry Lewis, but then you look back at uh, his run with Dean Martin, his own movies, and, and just, uh, like I said, a lot of his physical kind of pratfall comedy, but that's hard to do. You know that That's kind of a hard role to play But be able to use their celebrity Both gentlemen uh, To use their celebrity Use comedy to bring attention Toward uh, causes uh, That are very important it, It's tremendous I know with them being kind of older and, and, and folks not really Kind of not being in that consciousness Because I can't remember when the last Jerry Lewis telethon was for the kids But it has been a while And kind of you know, forgotten yeah. about. Um, but when you think about you know Jerry Lewis's impact with the with the with the uh, muscle dystrophy and his comedy, how many of his movies have kind of been redone and tweaked? You know, see, so yeah, you know, yeah. Trail, trail, you know, we wouldn't have you know the Nutty Professor, you know, the uh, uh, with Eddie Murphy without Jerry Lewis. So his impact. Right. It, it, it's we, we we talk about folks that have. You know passed on before you know Prince Muhammad Ali and it's hard to really Say they impacted just one area uh, I, I think That uh, you know folks Like this it's like it's just so much That um, And I'll say this and I'll Stop being long winded is you Can really say the world was better Because they were here and and I think that's kind of what we all Should want to have uh, When it's all
1: said and done and with Jerry Lewis, I mean, some may disagree, but a lot of Jim Carrey stuff can be attributed to Jerry Lewis. Just the out-and-out out hilarious, just like you say, the physical aspect and slapstick-type comedy. Um, you know, Jerry Lewis was doing that stuff. I mean, my dad loves to watch, you know, all the old movies, Turner Classic movie stuff you know, the, the westerns, any type of movie, the old movies, he loves it. But used to watch a lot of the Jerry Lewis movies and, you know, just laughing at him, tripping and falling, and, and you know, the clumsy type stuff that will catch your eye as a kid when you're not paying attention to that movie. But, oh, that dude's just falling all over himself, just, just being goofy, silly. That's always stood out to me. So, you know, and Jim Carrey did a lot of that, you know, the, the living color stuff, the uh, Dumb and Dumber stuff. You know, Ace Ventura, all those movies he did. You can probably compare. I don't know if he was this generation's Jay Lewis. If that's too far, too strong, or not. But you can you can trace and see Jay Lewis and the stuff he did. You can, yeah, you can definitely see those those similarities. And like I said, comedy is
2: hard. I mean, there there's a way to fall and to give an outsized reaction uh, that. I, if you're a Jim Carrey fan or not, or Jerry, Lewis, but there's there's just there's an art to it, and a lot of his stuff uh, with Dean Martin, you know they had their falling out or whatnot. But uh, you really have to give a a a nod and tip your hat to what he was able to do as far as comedy. You can't talk about comedy in America in the 20th century without Jerry Lewis's name being being in there. I think that goes, obviously, without without saying. And Dick Gregory definitely. as well. I mean, b- both of them, just boom, boom, uh, back-to-back like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So definitely had to had to mention that. Before we got on in to all the, the deeper topics, you know, with the football season and the Kyrie Irving train We would definitely get our thoughts on uh, as well. Um, second straight week, and I know we get probably getting this with Tom Leach as well, but uh, he'll be here in about uh, eight minutes or so. Um, two weeks, two scrimmages, two injuries, two seniors uh, on the Kentucky football team. We saw Cole Mosier's career come to an end uh, with the knee injury, and then the following scrimmage, see the Dorian Baker. Is going to miss, quote, significant times, what Mark Stoops is saying, with an ankle could be the season or he could, you know, return late towards the tail end of the season. In both cases, you you hate to see that, uh, especially with them kind of being there through the lean times and they're now at the point where Kentucky's trying to take a step, had a very solid, respectable season, trying to build on that, and, and these guys aren't going to be uh, able to be a part of it. You hate it for for Dorian Baker because, um, you know, he's he looked apart since he's gotten here. You know, it's freshman year, you know, big physical specimen. We've seen that from the get-go. And it hadn't completely put it all together. Last year hoped to be that kind of year for him as a junior, and he missed a large portion of the season with a, uh, a hamstring injury that sidelined him for a while. We saw him come back with the huge catches when he did come, especially the catch against Louisville. Um, this year, we kept here in hopes of building on that. You know, senior year, a lot of times, whether you play sports or not, you're in high school or college, get that little perspective check. Well, this is your last go around. This is my last year. Those four years fly by. That's where he was at. So he was looking to have a big time year start to finish. And it's just thinks to see that, that his year is going to be a, a huge chunk of it is going to be lost to another injury.
2: Yeah, I mean, injuries are part of it. That's the thing that uh, when you preach about depth, you preach about you know recruiting and, and bringing guys in, uh, it's, it's sad. It, it, and, and Mosier going out, that is a huge, huge hit. And, and with Baker being down, that really ramps up the, the pressure on the rest of the offense. I think we all saw kind of what really separated that team toward the end of the year. And you look at that Louisville game in particular, Steven Johnson was able to make plays downfield. And Dorian Baker, as you pointed out, had some big time catches in that Louisville game, that drive to get the field goal. And you need that. If we all say to ourselves, okay, Benny Snell Jr. Is going to be Benny Snell Jr. And, you know, if he gets 1,200, 1,300 yards this season, you gotta make some plays down the field. And and you've gotta get that, that yards after the catch. And Baker, man, like he's had that look and and you had to feel that going into this season he was gonna be able to make that leap and become become that dude. So uh a huge blow. But you still have a little bit of time. I know seasons are almost right upon us. There's still a little bit of time to tweak and, and really Hey, it's next man up and, and I think Coach Stoops and company will, will have the opportunity to uh, to do that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um and we've seen the recruiting, you know, elevate ever since Mark Stoops has been here, the level of recruiting continue to improve. He was surprising us even in year one and year two with some of the he's like, Wow, you know, look at look at these Pixie's getting, and we've just seen it continue. We've seen it increase. We've seen it build. We've seen it move into states that Kentucky hasn't really had a foothold in, and that has consistently continued, and the offensive line received high praise last year, especially from those in the know that played the game or you know, know the X's and O's of it. Cole Kubelik, ACC Network, former Auburn offensive lineman, constantly talk about how good the offensive line was. We had to be being talk-talk guys on. So the depth is there, and so which is a good thing. Injuries are going to happen whether they be in a scrimmage or in a game. And now they do have some depth to be able to cushion that blow of losing Cole Mosier. Same thing with losing Dorian Baker. You know, we got a lot of young guys that will have to step up, but you have a lot of guys that are in position to be able to do that. And and still keep the expectations of a good season going forward. It, it's, and it's not being harsh or or disrespectful for knocking those guys who are hurt. But it, it's not like anybody saying, oh, they're done for the season now because you do have depth and talent being able to step in and, and you know, like you say, next man up. Well, yeah, and, and that's... This is what you've been working
2: toward. Year year four.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Are we at year four? Yeah. And and,
1: and, uh, the uh, five. and able to, five. Five, right? five, yeah, five,
2: yeah. But
1: you yeah. you you set it up 5, to and 7, five and seven, seven and five. Yeah, five. Yeah. So uh,
2: this is what we've been working toward. And and you see that uh, other great programs or other I should say the best programs can really absorb some some, some injuries. Uh, and and still kind of keep trucking. And you'd like to think that that's something that that this team is going to be able to do.
1: Definitely. Definitely. We will uh, catch us a little break real quick, and we will hope to have Tom Leach with us on the other side. This is Cash Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry, Mr. T.B. Brown, uh, talking UK football and more uh, We'll take a quick break now Brandon Hardy Radio Network You can give us a call eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. When we come back we hope to have the voice Of the Cats with us Mr. Tom Leach himself So stay right with us We will be right back motion in
0: motion, it's in motion.
1: joining us on the show, TV. He uh, started broadcasting UK football in 1997, basketball in 2001, five-time Kentucky Broadcaster of the Year, two-time Eclipse Award winner for his expertise in horse racing. We're talking about the voice of the cats himself, none other than Mr. Tom Leach. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sir? Doing very well, but just ready to get this thing started. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, it's is it dragging for you? Does it drag this time of oh, year yeah. every
3: year? <laughs> yeah, it uh, it does. Um, I People I often ask, which sport do you prefer more? And I really don't have a, a preference between football and basketball. But I always say I look forward to football more because I love doing games, and there have been no games for me to do since March. And once basketball starts, I'm already doing games. So I'm just always chomping at the bit for football season to start.
1: That that knocks out one of the questions I was gonna ask you as far as which sport was your favorite. You, you nipped that right in the book for us. <laughs> you had no preference.
3: <laughs> no, I don't. Um always enjoy uh both. i of kinda of, you know, always enjoy uh when basketball season gets rolling. Got that you always got that big game early in the in the champions classic, but um just always uh look I've always you know, being a college sports fan I've always looked you know, just with great anticipation to the start of the football season each year, because if you're a following college sports, then you know you still you have a long stretch of that games. Baseball carried us a little farther this year, so that was good. So, uh, but I'm ready for football to get going.
1: Absolutely. Oh, and I've I've heard you on on your show, The Leach Report, uh, every morning nine to ten on six thirty a.m. as well as other stations throughout the state. Ask your various different guests you know, Justin Rowland and Chris Fisher and all those guys, how bullish they are on this Kentucky football team. How bullish are you on this edition of the football Wildcats?
3: Very. Uh, I think they have a lot of experience, and it's mostly with guys that have proven that they can play caliber of football it takes to to win in the SEC and there have been a lot of years where you could say that about a Kentucky team where they had this many guys that had already shown you they could do it and uh, that's that's very exciting they've got a couple of key uh, injuries but they've got enough depth to uh, I think uh, handle that and so now they've just got to go out and and Take care of business on the field. Uh, the opportunity is there for this team to have a really special season, and yet there's no lock. You know, you can't look at the schedule and say, you know, I guarantee you they're going to win this game, this game, this game. There's not many locks on the schedule. Conversely, there's I don't think any spot that you look at and say they don't have a chance. So what that means is they're likely going to be Quite a few games decided in the fourth quarter, as was the case last year. And if they can uh, take care of business in those close games, and uh, really I think a big thing they get better in turnovers, uh, get more, commit fewer, then I think they got a big shot to get eight wins for the first time in, uh, in a regular season, I think since '84.
1: Absolutely. You can TB jump in any time, man. You know how I don't mean to get long-winded. Jump in any time, TB. No, I, you know, I enjoy
2: uh, when Mr. Leach comes on uh, talking. Now, when we talk about the team just looks different, you've been around the SEC for a while. You've been to uh, most, if not all, of the stadiums, and you've seen the teams come out. Uh, this team just kind of looks, from what I've seen in clips and everything, it looks like an SEC team. There you know in it previous does. years, you could say, you know that guy looks like a uh, SEC tight end or that guy looks like Lyman. you look from from you know the entire depth chart, and there's SEC there's a look, there's a feel to them that we haven't seen in the past, but but here we are
3: absolutely right. no they they look uh, look apart. and even a freshman, uh, I think about a guy like Josh Allen, who's a really good player for them now when he came in he he wasn't ready uh physically but uh the the freshmen, a lot of the freshmen in this class uh are very uh ready physically and to, I think to to help them. And uh so yeah they they I, I don't think are gonna get outmanned.
1: Talking with the voice of the cats, Tom Leach and unlike some years in you know past where You know, the depth isn't up to the level that we've seen it this year, and there's maybe legitimate concerns as to, you know, how the team is going to be. Is it fair to say that maybe the fan base is kind of looking for something to worry about? We we see the, the quarterback chatter with Steven Johnson and Drew Barker, but outside of that, there isn't anything to really worry about as much in years past. So is that maybe something that's being manufactured as just, we usually have something to worry about, and we don't, so let's make something to worry about. Well, I
3: always think that the, the Kentucky football fan is a little different from the basketball fan, and this has to do with just the record of, of success over time, that uh, I think the, the football fan sometimes is a um, – when I think historically it's been you know optimistic without a lot to show for it, and yet it seems like when things look to be set up pretty good, there's almost like a – a little bit of a trepidation for uh, getting going too far with your enthusiasm or your optimism, and so uh, I think there may be a little bit of that—that that they're a little afraid to uh, fully buy in, and that's understandable because um, you know there've been other times where they they thought that Kentucky was ready to make a move and, and it didn't didn't happen. But um, so you know, it, it ultimately, it's going kind to—you of, know—the the players will, the team will. Uh, lead the way, and that they take care of business, and uh, everybody else will will follow along. But you know, the quarterback's always gonna be a, a question mark, uh, or not a question mark, but uh, a, a storyline going into the season, any season. And I know Steven was outstanding last year, so to me, there's no doubt about who the starter is. And the I, I, I don't think, I'm, to me, it's a case of I don't see Drew beating him out um, because he outperforms him. I think Stevens, to me, is the starter, and the only way there's a change is if he struggles or or just doesn't perform to the level that they need him to. I have to think that opponents are going to really load up against Benny Snell, and they're going to do their best to take away some of the play action stuff those post patterns that Kentucky uh, hit opponents with last year. And so they'll want to try to make Steven Johnson beat them with throws that he didn't consistently make last year those uh, intermediate throws, tight end throws, dumping off the backs. And if he makes those throws, then I don't see him losing his job. And um, I I think I look for him to improve. Just about every junior college player that comes through here, you, you see him much better in their second year than their first. And uh, if that happens for him, then uh, he should be really good.
1: Absolutely. And I like the point you talked about with, with guys kind of loading up on Benny Snell where you were talking with Anthony White this morning, and he's hoping that's something that Benny kind of is ready for. You know, they're going to adjust to you. Now it's your turn to make another chess move and adjust to their adjustment because he he can't sneak up on anybody this year.
3: No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see uh, teams really uh, prepare for him. And, um, you know, Kentucky's got a lot of guys back on the offensive line, so if that O-line – is uh, anywhere near as good as it was last year, then they can set their defenses for him. But if they get blocked, then he'll still have places to run. But um, yeah, everything I can tell about Benny, he's approached this the right way. He's not, um, you know, gotten overconfident. Uh, he has uh, remained uh, grounded and uh, really working hard. And uh, he's talked about, you know, improving – or maybe not so much improving, but just adding more pass catching maybe out of the backfield, get him out in space could be fun. So um, I think uh, he'll approach it the right way.
1: Are you surprised to see Sahin King at number two in the depth chart at running back, or is it just kind of a case of everything kind of coming together at the right time for him?
3: A little bit. I was expecting A.J. Rose to – Mm-hmm. claim that position. Um, and he still may, um, you know, but it looks like Saheem has moved ahead of him for now. I suspect they'll both get action. Uh, Benny will get the, you know, it won't be split the way it was last year. Benny will, will get a greater majority of the carries the one back, the number one guy on the depth chart, where boom was last year at this time. Um, he'll, the one will get uh, probably a greater percentage of the carries than was the case in, in recent years. Um, and then Sahim, and then uh, I would think AJ would be next. And you know he's going he's going to have to to make the most of what opportunities he gets to then get his chance. Um, so it's you know it's it's up to him now because Sahim is uh, sounds like taking a little bit of the lead and separated uh, from the pack, battling to be the backup to Benny.
1: As far as the defensive line. You know, we we've seen another season where it's on paper thin. the depth isn't quite there with that group as it is with some of the other units. And we've seen an increase in the recruiting as far as UK is concerned. How do you think it will perform? Do you think we'll be surprised if somebody stepped up or will it will it be the Achilles heel? We know about Matt Elams and McElroy, Will somebody else just kind of burst onto the scene? How do do you see that kind of playing out as we approach the season?
3: As far as somebody new, Quentin Bohanna, the freshman, has gotten talked up a lot, so he could uh, be a a factor. T.J. Carter, I think they're really uh, optimistic about what he can do. Uh, Played uh, some last years and I think uh, came on toward the end of the year. Uh, So he would be a guy maybe, you know, you think – What Jordan Jones, a guy like that, was in his first year, than how much he improved in his second. What if T.J. Carter, you know, makes a big improvement in his second year, then uh, he could be a much more of a factor. It kind of feels like from uh, the conversation that you're hearing from the coaches that um, that the offense, or excuse me, defensive line, uh, feels like it's in a maybe a little better shape than we thought coming in. Um, Man, Elam, I'm hearing good things about. Uh, how he's approached the season and so uh, maybe he gives them uh, you know if they get a nice rotation where they split snaps between him and Pringle keep a fresh guy in there on the nose against the run uh, that that's certainly where you would start with trying to improve against the run if you could control the other team's center from the from the nose and um, you know McQuez again a junior college guy you'd expect him to be better in his second year so that would be the 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 uh the best case scenario is to get much improved production on the nose. But uh, it kind of feels like that uh, it's maybe a, a little better situation there than we thought coming into fall camp.
1: Talk about the voice of the cats, Tom Leach, about the upcoming UK football season. And heard you talk on the Leach Report many times, Tom, about how as a kid you went into Commonwealth Stadium, you know, season ticket holder as it open, watched Sonny Collins and all those guys. Uh, from season one, game one, is it going to be tough for you to make the transition to Kroger Field? Since you, I mean, you've known the stadium is coming with well from day one, or is it already, you know, naturally coming to you to say Kroger Field and, and and make the transition?
3: I will I'm trying to make it come naturally. We'll find out on September ninth. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> it's it's always like you know you change. From time to time, the uh, out cue to a commercial break has changed over the years. At one point, we were the big blue sports network, and so that has changed from time to time. That's a similar kind of thing just as a broadcaster where, you know, something in your routine changes. So, um, you yeah, know, my goal is to to not have uh, any missteps. So uh, we'll see if I can uh, can achieve that. But, yeah, I, you know, if it happens, it'll probably be, you know, the first first game. It's uh, it, It's not something that feels uncomfortable. It's, okay, you know it's not something that is a name that just feels odd to say uh, in the context of a, of a football field or an arena or something. You see some of those that are out there in sports. This one, you know, if you were in California, you're seeing the games at Kroger Field. You might wonder, you know, uh, who's who? Wonder who Kroger is. So it sounds like a could be named for a person, but obviously here we know in this area, Kroger's a great uh, Kentucky company all over the state, so it feels easy to say, so I don't anticipate I have any problems with that, and uh, I think it'll be a good fit all the way around.
1: As far as, um, take this flashback, take us back to your your first game, the football game you called, 97, Uh, you're the consummate professional, a lot of us have grown up listening to you, but what was the night before the day of for you? I mean, you've been on the microphone for years, but this is your first game calling the Kentucky football game. Were there nerves? What was it like, that, that chain of events
3: for you? Yeah, I think I've only been uh, nervous, and this is now 20 years of football. It'll be 16 for basketball. I've only been nervous twice. Uh, that was one of them. Um, the other one was the national championship game in 2012 only because I thought they were going to win it. And you know, that if, uh, you know, a team you're following wins a championship, what you say is going to live on. And so you want to, uh, at, at, at minimum, not screw it up and give the wrong score or something. And so, uh, and ideally <laughs> say something that, you know, sounds okay when you hear it, uh, later on. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely was, uh, a little nervous for the first game because um, you know if it didn't go well, I didn't know. Uh, there probably would have been a second game. I don't know if there'd been a second year. Um, <laughs> so um, it, it, it definitely was was a nervous day. I'm just sitting here now in my office looking at a, a picture from that day actually because Kaywood and Ralph came in to uh, wish me well right before the uh, broadcast, and somebody fortunately snapped a picture of the three of us, and I got them to sign it and hanging on my wall in my office and. Uh, that was that was nice, and that helped. Okay, yeah,
1: and I I saw that picture on on Twitter. You know, of course, with, with Ralph Hacker going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think uh,
3: that's one they've used in uh, in the stories about Ralph.
1: And another place where I saw that tweeted out was by uh, Neil Price, who's going on to Mississippi State. Oh yeah, now.
3: I saw that the other day. And from Neil. Yeah,
1: and now. How how does that make you feel? You 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 just referred to a picture with yourself, Ralph Hacker, K Wood Ledford, and now in the tweet that Neil Price tweeted out, he includes you as guys that have inspired him, along with Vince Scully, uh Marty Brenneman, uh and and all those. How does it feel now to where you have kind of been a mentor and, and kind of shaped guys' careers and they look to you uh, broadcasters who come
3: up now behind you. How does how does that feel? Yeah, it makes me feel good. Um uh, I've always tried to um you know help out. Uh, you get a lot of requests to critique tapes and I, I try to do as you know, do it as often as I can, um and, and help guys out. Uh guy that I uh critiqued the tape for several years ago is Chris Blair, who's now the voice of LSU. Uh so it's fun when you see guys that were just getting started in the business or were young broadcasters that maybe calls you for advice or a critique or something uh, pointers whatever and uh, go on to have great success and so I was thrilled for Neil to get this opportunity it was was time for him to get a chance to move up the ladder and so now he's at an SEC school calling uh, football and, and men's basketball down in Mississippi state and uh, as I imagine some baseball that uh, probably will eventually uh, slide over into that chair as well and um, just uh, I know he'll do a great, and I was thrilled when he got the job.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I got I to gotta ask you about interaction with the coaches. Of course, we, we hear you talk with Cal on the pregame, right before the game starts, the, the postgame show, the weekly call-in show. And as everybody knows, you can ask Cal anything you want, but Cal's going to answer however he wants. And it's gonna take <laughs> however long he wants it to take, you know. With yes. <laughs> and of course with Cal, it's it's been good since you know day one. The, the winning has been at and you know enormously high level, the success level since he's been here. With Coach Stoops, you know, of course we we saw the covered bear, we've seen the climb, we've seen the progression. You know, two wins to five to five to seven, and and now we're looking to make another step. Do you think? now you might get a few more different layers of Mark Stoops now that, you know, the team has transitioned, uh, not struggling as much, you know, with, with the interactions with him maybe be different going forward. You may see areas and layers of him in your interactions with him that you haven't seen because the team hasn't gotten to where he wanted to
3: be yet. I don't think so. I think he's been pretty, pretty much... Um... Uh, you know, he's not a guy that that hides his emotions. I don't think it's right. kind of who he is. He um, lets you know, even if he's trying to to be positive in a, in a tough time. I think you can get an idea of uh, where he is. So he's been great um, to for for me to work with in terms of uh, you know giving me what I, I need in in uh, uh, for shows uh, access, and then just you know always ask him uh, anything you want, and he'll be glad. He, you know, if it's a question about something that didn't go well he didn't get uh, defensive about it he'll ask he'll ask it or excuse me answer it um and i think he's just gotten more comfortable uh, mm-hmm. as the more he's done it as the head coach um but he's uh always been you know easy to work with and pretty uh pretty candid i think in in what he gives you and so uh, the one thing i have said this year is i think you know when you're you come into a program if it's more often than not you're trying to build something up that's gone down because that's how you got the job and he uh, you know any coach in that situation you're going to try to be positive not that you're trying to just spin but because you got guys on the team that aren't going to be around when the better days come and you want to give them some hope and even though you might not think you'll win but a couple of games you know you want to try to envision the best possible scenario to do better than that and so uh, but I, I think uh, he, so he, you know, he, like any coach in that situation, he was uh, trying to look for the positives, but I think they come to him more readily now. I <laughs> think he knows he's got a lot more talent, a lot more depth, and so he's he's uh, uh, very, uh, you know, comfortable talking positively about this group now because a lot of them have proven it on the field, and I think he, he's where they got the potential. They have the potential to have a big year.
1: Definitely. Um, just follow along with me, as I I don't mean to get too long-winded, but um, you you went to various different baseball games. You know, we see you tweeted out, and you know when you're not on your show, and guys are filling in for you, you're trying and checking out different you know MLB parks throughout the country. Um, I was able to go with my dad with the '90 Reds. Not a Reds fan, but I was a Braves fan, but in '90 they were playing the Pirates. Got to see Barry Bonds hit a home run when he was with Pittsburgh. Uh, went to Cleveland and saw young Manny Ramirez hit a couple when they were playing the Reds up there in Cleveland. But the most impressive one I ever saw was in Fenway. Got to go once again, bucket list trip with my dad. Carlos Peña, first baseman, hit the home run off of Jonathan Papelbon, the closer, when he was kind of at his peak with the Red Sox, and it was the most impressive home run I'd ever seen. Even though you saw Barnes as a kid and all this what is the most impressive display of athleticism you've witnessed, you know, calling a Kentucky game, football or basketball, UK player or maybe a member of the opposition? What maybe a play that has just stood out above all the others uh from what you've covered in your career?
3: Oh, there's so so many. One that one sort of the first ones that comes to mind is uh Tayshon's when he hit those five threes to start the game against Carolina, that was my first year doing basketball, and the fifth one came from almost mid court. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was oh, yeah. that was one that comes to mind. Um, gosh, let's see. Uh, you know, in uh, in football, uh, you know, we've seen uh, so many uh, memorable plays. Guys over the years, Randall, you know, some Randall Cobb plays. Um, yeah, you know, Boom Williams had a uh, catch on a swing pass down in the overtime at Florida a couple of years ago, and circled the whole field. I tell you, one uh, Craig Yeast uh, returned a kick against the Gators. He ran horizontally all the way across the field and turned the corner and took it to the house against the very fast Florida team. Oh gosh, I'm just—I mean, there's so so many that but try to single single one uh, one or two out. Um, I'm sure I'll think of others. Uh, you know, as time goes by, there was a play in the championship game in 2012 where Anthony Davis caught a lob, but he had to reach back behind his head to catch it. It wasn't a great pass, and yeah. he made it look a lot easier than it really was. Um, that's uh, that's another one. Oh gosh, um, you know, Nerlens Noel blocking those 13 shots down at old Miss. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's just um, uh, right off the top of my head without having thought about it before. I'm sure I'm missing some right now. So, um, but there's a there's a lot of them. It's hard to pick out any one.
1: Definitely, go ahead.
2: Susie. Now, I, just a, just a couple of questions. I know Tom, you talked about getting nervous for the 2012 championship game, uh, and, and we can all understand those nerves for those big games. Uh, but kind of piggybacking off what you said about Nerland and those blocks at Old Miss is at any point during while you're doing a game where you kind of understand that we are watching something kind of special? And does that – do you kind of change how you're doing the game if you kind of feel that, that the game is a little bit different than just your regular, you know, Tuesday night, uh, you know, game down at Auburn, that there's something really special going on? Or like, you know, Malik Monk last year really getting hot against Georgia. Do you kind
3: of do you change well, your approach? The one out in Vegas, Do you try to just uh, keep it the same, other than just get excited uh, about exciting plays in, in any game? I wanted the Monk game last year when out in Vegas when he was uh, when he had 47, I think, against Carolina. Yeah. So that was not yeah. not the norm. The De'Aaron Fox game in the in the tournament against UCLA when he got 39. Those kinds of you know games. Some of the Jody Meeks games. The 54 down at Tennessee certainly would be one of of a game that, uh, okay, this is, you know, you start going you know, digging out the record book at some point in the second half, like, okay, when's the last time somebody made this many threes or this many points, or where's the rank on the list, and who's he passing as he gets to 40 and 45. So those kinds of things, um, yeah, you, you definitely uh, look for those. The 14 season when they had that run of, uh, you know, last-second wins, it uh, started with uh, the Wichita State game, and, you know, they were thirty-five and zero and undefeated, and so, you know, would Kentucky, you know, be able to just stay in it going in? Some people wondered, and then going down the stretch of that game, you sense it's going to go to the buzzer, uh, and uh, or at least go to the last minute or so, and so you, you uh, want to, you know, wanna, you know when, when when the game's getting tight like that, the LSU three overtime win in football, you know, a lot of big plays there, and you never know which one's going to be the the one that decides it. So you just want to. Uh, try to stay really sharp and really focused so that you don't you know those big plays in those big games are, are the ones that are going to uh live on in highlights and these days somebody's going to put your voice on on a you know highlight that shows up on youtube or something and the worst feel of the world is you know when you call the wrong player or give the wrong score or you know something like that and so you want to stay just really dialed in to make sure you uh, are on top of your game in those situations
2: uh, and I have to share this with you. Uh, my eleven-year-old, she has a little Tom Leach checklist because we like watch listen to you on the radio <laughs> for the games. She she when we when you do the starting lineups, you let uh, folks know what direction the teams are going in. She likes that, and and you kind of give us a, a rundown on the uniforms as well. So she's like that well that that's her little checklist to know that the
3: game okay. is getting
2: ready to start when we're listening to it. So I just had to I had to share uh,
3: that I I told her have, I was have, we were gonna uh, have you on. Tell her that that matches up with the, my checklist I have in my own head. I've gotta make sure I get you know those <laughs> things done. Like a football game, you wanna make sure to tell folks what the weather's like and is there anything unusual with the wind, uh rain, you know, or something that could impact the game. Uh so yeah, all those things. I kinda have my own uh, Checklist just like she does And a lot of that goes back to yeah. listing That like Kaywood Ledford and, and Ralph Growing up because uh, they set the bar High
1: I want to ask one quick horse Racing question Tom because I'm, I'm Extremely casual when it comes to that I know I'm a native Kentuckian and all but I learn something every time you have Mick Cronin's brother on or some of the other guys That you talk horse racing with And I, I just get a little nugget here and there but I uh, started to tweet it in, thought about calling, uh, Googled it here and there, but what is an ADW when you're promoting things on the site? Ah.
3: Uh, advanced deposit wagering. Uh, mm. It's a really kind of a business term, which means that you put money in in advance of the race and you can wager on that. So it's like a bank account. Think of it like a bank account. So Keelan Select is an ADW site, the advanced okay. deposit wagering site. Twinspires, okay. TVG. Naira bets, uh, DRF bets, and any of those are like a bank account that you put money in, and then you can wager online or on your phone uh, on the races out of that uh, ADW site, which is advanced deposit wagering. So you put that uh, put a deposit in in advance.
1: Okay. I uh, appreciate you enlightening me on that. Uh, I learned something else. So now, when you guys, the next time you say it, I'll, I'll know exactly yeah. what you guys are talking about.
3: Well, that's uh, – racing has got a lot of terms that, uh, you know, that uh, are like that, and, and it's always good to explain them. So that's actually a, a really good question to, to make sure you explain all those terms. Same thing, you know, in, in football, can get you can get some complex terms, you know, cover to and, um, you know, uh, man under coverages and all these kinds of things that uh, sometimes I'll, uh, you know, ask the analyst to elaborate on that or something to, because there's a lot of people that uh, are just, you know, Follow the game but maybe haven't coached it And so don't fully understand what that, that Means so you always want to make sure You're uh, helping people it Isn't nothing worse than you know hearing something and you Kind of you it's like you know Like a word you don't understand if you're hearing a foreign Language
1: Right right, right. right. we're talking with the, the voice of the Cats Tom Leach Um, and Tom of course Like you say you try to keep everything the same uh, You get excited as it is You know great plays you know like a Malik Monk getting hot um, when things aren't going well um, and this one thing just stands out so I always, I just wanted to ask you about it and this this was of course, I don't know if it's year two or year three for Coach Stoops it was the game at Georgia down in Athens I think Kentucky lost 34-3 to three. Uh, I'm not sure what year that would have been but there was, it was just things snowballed and got out of hand and I forget the play but it was you just sounded so weary, just kind of just just tired, like, uh, now the Bulldogs get in again and score. Now, it, it wasn't like, you know, Harry Carey, boy, oh boy, you know, that visible frustration he used to do with the Cubs, but do you, do you try to keep it in and, and maintain it even when things aren't going well, or do you let a little dejection come out because you're a fan like we are? How do you, you handle it when things aren't going well?
3: I think it's It's like, uh, you know, if you're following one team uh, game in and game out, then you're going to swing up and and down with their fortunes. So I think that's kind of reflected in in probably a little, uh, to some degree, in the broadcast. So you don't want to just, you know, uh, pile on on a bad day. But, you know, you also don't want to try to make something sound like uh, it's, it's good when it's not. So um, you just try to to paint an, an accurate picture, and um, sometimes you know that that includes a day when there's just not anything good to say today.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just a couple more things. I definitely appreciate the time, Tom. Um, I'm from from Cumberland down in Harlan County, just like just like Freddie Maggot is, um, and I know that you were calling the game when Cumberland played Paris in the state championship game when Freddie was the quarterback, correct?
3: I don't think I uh, called one when Freddie was the quarterback. I think it was another uh, matchup between those two, but I don't think – I think we looked into that, and I don't think I was doing it when Freddie was quarterback.
1: It was a it was a game against Cumberland and Paris, though, just not in the state. Yeah, yeah okay.
3: I know they played in uh, the playoffs one year.
1: And being the consummate professional that you are and being a graduate of of Bourbon County, was there a couple of fibers of you that was rooting against Paris or were you completely 100% down the middle on games like that?
3: 100%. Uh, uh, especially a game like that. I mean, I was, uh, working for a station that covered Paris and Bourbon County game in and game out. So I was, um, rooting, you know, not rooting. I was just, uh, you know, definitely wanted to see Paris win because that was the, the team we were following. Um, Oh. And um, I always uh, I went to that Bourbon County. My mom was actually a graduate of Paris. Um, okay. So I uh, always just tried to to be to be fair about the coverage when it was two schools in the same county. And so you figure if you're getting complaints from both sides, you're probably doing it right. So <laughs> <laughs> usually what I was shooting for. And the other thing was uh, Paris had some really good teams, at, uh, especially in football in those days. So okay. as a broadcaster, uh, you really um, you know, you, you become less of uh, when you're following one team. There's somewhat of the, the fan that you grew up as. If you're following that same team, that's still going to be there. But really, uh, you uh, root for good games to do um, entertaining games, close games. Because you know, you can say that the challenge of a broadcaster is to keep people around when the game's lopsided because it's easier when it's close, but in reality, you know, you're not going to keep around when it's lopsided. And we um, are going to get people more engaged when it's a tight game. And so those are the ones that you, you know, it's when you have to, as we were talking earlier, elevate your game. So you want you know, you like to be challenged like that. So you look for, you know, give big games, memorable moments. And so, um, uh, you know, Paris in those days uh, gave us a lot of those. They had a run. They won over 30, almost 40, 40 games in a row over about a three- or four-year period.
1: Because I'm just—if it was me, I, I'm, if if Harlan the Green Dragons were playing against Bourbon County, and and I'm, there might have been a fiber of me that would we would hope Bourbon County would win. I'm just saying. So you know, but that was <laughs> admirable that you were definitely down the middle. I don't—I wouldn't try to let it project to well, the audience. Well, I should say, you know, <laughs> you know,
3: in terms of uh, if you're talking about down the middle, that you know it was. Bourbon County's rival that was playing for the state championship, and did any of me any part of me not want them to win it? No, 100% of me wanted to see them win it. I wasn't down the middle between Paris and Cumberland because I was following Paris game in and game out. So I was okay. uh, it was kind of like kind of like being the Kentucky broadcaster. So I right, uh, took right. your took your question as like as a Bourbon County grad, was I uh, was some of me not rooting for Paris, and that would not be the case. It was 100% hoping they would win.
1: I got you. I got you. And finally, I know you, yourself, and Mike Pratt talk a lot of music. Both of you guys are are big fans of the Eagles. What is your favorite Eagles song?
3: Two. One of these nights, slightly maybe overtake it easy. It's it's kind of almost a toss-up between those two. I have five bands that are kind of, uh, four really, that uh, are – uh, on the uh, top of my list are artists. Uh, then and then, uh, you know, the the fifth one is is more in debate. But the the top four are always in some order: Commodores, Earth Wind and Fire, Eagles, and James Taylor. So I'm wow. stuck in the '70s.
1: Wow, I, I love all <laughs> those. My my parents played all those. so I love every one of them.
3: As far as I think, as Eagles, one of the first concerts at Rupp Arena was the Commodores in '77. I was was there.
1: My. My dad was there, and my uncle, I think my 15-year-old uncle, was there. Uh, my mom great. was home because she was pregnant with me, so, but my dad <laughs> was, was there for sure.
3: Well, it was a great show. Lionel Richie playing easy on a big white grand piano. It was good stuff.
1: Yes, man. As far as the Eagles, is, is Victim of Love underrated? Because that's my favorite Eagles song.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't have a strong opinion on that. I mean it's a good song, but it's not, not one of my not on my top ten problem.
1: <laughs> it doesn't move the needle for you, okay. No. Um and tell us about you mentioned some DJing back in the day, in your high school days and some parliament and some, some of those songs being played.
3: Yeah, unfortunately we didn't play much Parliament on my radio station but I had it on my eight track <laughs> in the seventies. But uh I never did really make it to a Parliament concert but uh I was uh was a George Clinton fan. Uh but yeah, I was a DJ when I started and forty years ago actually, uh this next month, um uh, was uh, sixteen and I was did DJ work and news and wrote commercials and did ball games and anything they let me do.
1: Man, that is that is something
3: else. Um, but uh, yes, t funk P- uh, is a classic.
1: Yeah. By yeah, Parliament. <laughs> and of course it, it goes on forever and ever and
3: yes, it you does. had the,
1: the butterfly collar and bell bottom's the whole nine, right?
3: Yeah. I didn't I didn't have all that but I uh uh I had some probably a leisure suit or two, so yeah, there was some <laughs> crazy colors and yeah.
1: <laughs> that is all right. That is all right. Well, Tom, man, really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us on the show. And I always enjoy whenever, you know, this couple couple times we've had, John, calling you during our break and, and getting that classical music on the ring back, home, It's just so regal and, and relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> and just I, uh, have,
3: I am uh, not as into my phone as my kids are, so I don't even know what plays, so I've never gone to the trouble of uh, changing it. I had a phone one time that somebody at the – at the Verizon store, put the UK fight song on there. People used to enjoy that, so I need to find out how to do that. <laughs> and you,
1: you mentioned that, You mentioned that too, with what you're going to be going next week and Larry Vault filling in for you. And you told me that this Wednesday would be better than next Wednesday because congrats in advance with your daughter going to college. Is that yes. your youngest that's going to be heading to college?
3: Yes. Uh, her, uh, her youngest of two So she starts uh, freshman year At University of Denver we move her out there next week
1: Well congratulations And how are you and Mrs. Leach Approaching the empty nest
3: We're not real happy Not real happy about it But we're happy for her
1: <laughs> Okay,
3: <laughs> We hate to see her go so far away But she's, uh, she's a smart girl She'll do, do well We just wish she was going to be closer to home But uh, uh, that's uh that's where life takes her, so she'll do well.
1: Well, congratulations. We're two fathers of, of kids who aren't at that age yet, so we'll we'll keep that in mind when ours get to that age ourselves.
3: Uh, good luck with them. They're uh, they a blessing. <laughs> Definitely. All
1: right, Definitely. thank you. Thank you Lee. thank you so much. Thank you so You're much. You're welcome, guys. Really Have a good day. You too. Thank you, sir. I like that. that was Tom Leach, the voice. Of the Cats Always an honor to have him on And get his insights on Football His perspective as a broadcaster And everything else man It was Fun as always Just as fun this time as it was the first time And, and really appreciate him Being willing to, to hop on our little show
2: Absolutely Absolutely uh, Just great to, to have him on Uh yeah, I was didn't want to take up too much of his time, but you know, you know, being able, to, being fortunate enough to cover the games as we have been, we've got some games. <laughs> I was just checking the calendar. You know, games start here pretty soon. Uh, but just seeing the way uh, he kind of does his game, and seeing his station, the way it is set up for football and basketball, the notes he makes to himself, and it looks like. Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. If you, see, you remember that movie where she's just got stuff kind of pasted all over the place, and you look at it, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it just shows the, the preparation that goes into it. Uh, you know, I listen to, to Tom a, a lot when I'm not at the games. I, like to, I prefer to listen to the uh, UK broadcast versus some of the uh, folks you might hear on TV. But just... My problem being a a play by play guy would be keeping the name straight, and oh, man. Uh, you know just because uh, I, I wanted to say that a couple of years ago when we when Jamal Murray was there that uh, there was somebody on Georgia that was a Murray as well. They might have had two or three different Murrays and, and just keeping all that square and, uh, and and everything, and he just does it with with ease. And I know that last time he was on, I kind of talked to him about at even keel, like with Aaron Harrison's big shot. And, yeah. and I think as far as a play-by-play guy, especially being, you know, a fan first and then covering the team, him being able to, to make this call for these big-time shots, get excited, and, and still keep doing his job. I was reminded yeah. of that because <laughs> uh, Scott Charlton, Carlton, who I think everybody needs to follow with all the different clips and whatnot of Kentucky, had the Brandon Knight clip. You know, Brandon Knight hurt his knee a month or so ago and had the Brandon Knight clip with the shot over uh, Aaron Craft to, to win, to, to beat Ohio State. And for some reason, in my mind, I'm thinking that that was a last-second shot. Like a lot of we, – we think of Aaron Harrison's shot as being right at the buzzer, but you got a big shot. And he continues. Tom does of calling, you know, the next couple of seconds because you know Ohio State had a shot to win. Uh, I think yeah. uh, uh, with well, against uh, Wisconsin in the Final Four, I, I want to say that Wisconsin had a chance to get off that shot. But he does a perfect job of being the right amount of excited, as you asked him, the right amount, I guess, of of disappointed, if that's the mm-hmm. word. His, his, he, he's emotionally right there with Not too far either way But he, he's, he's not gonna uh, he, He's not gonna uh, Really uh, Bring you down or get too crazy it, It's perfect like I said my girls Big Miss loves it Because she knows If we're out and about and, and listen to the radio She knows and Little Miss does too You know Tom's gonna give you The starters He's going to let you know what direction the the players are going in. Mm -hmm. He'll give you a little something about the environment. Uh, I want to say that, oh, is it one of the Mississippi schools that's got a little quirky floor? He'll make a reference, I know, to the Vanderbilt floor. And just just as a – and Nathan, he does a good job of letting you know what's going on, Uh, time and score, and just different things like that where – you can listen to the basketball game, and you don't even have to visually be watching it. Because, you know, I'll do that thing where I'll sync up TV and, and, and radio and be able to step away, still listen to Tom, and you still have an idea of what's going on. And that, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, and it's not easy to do. Uh, going back to these guys that think they can play Division I basketball, being a great <laughs> play-by-play man is not easy. It, it's not, you know, Jones passes to Smith, basket's good. It, it, it,
0: it's <laughs> it's giving
2: the people that are listening a, a lot more than that. And like Tom said, uh, when you're – especially Kentucky basketball, but, you know, we've had our moments with football and, and whatnot, but Kentucky basketball, you have to understand that, that calling a game – what you say is going to be what the fans hear and fans remember. You know, I, I have in my head right now, at the end of the twenty twelve uh, uh, championship game, Marquise Teague throws the ball into the into the air and the horn sounds, and I want to say I, I, it, it, this might not be a direct quote, but the uh, the championship returns to my old Kentucky home. I think is how it goes. I need to.
1: But, it's, but, it's going, going saying, to but Kentucky.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But that becomes the soundtrack. I don't I can't remember exactly what Jim Nant said at the end of the game, but I've seen the clip enough in Kentucky uh, fandom to you know, Tom Leach has become the soundtrack of you know, beating L S U in football, you know, of of you know, his call of Steven Johnson's throw last year against U It really becomes the soundtrack. And and we kind of bag on sports announcers uh, and and whatnot, but they really do. I I was talking to this with some friends uh, when you told me that Tom was coming on, and I said, you know, play-by-play guys and and color guys to some extent, but really that play-by-play, really they set the tone. I said, here's the thing, you know, people our age watching – uh, the Bulls and even your Rockets, you know, on, in the 90s on NBC, can you see a Jordan highlight and not hear Marv Albert's voice? You know, Jordan, no! <laughs> yes! You know, what a <laughs> spectacular move. I mean, you,
3: that's what you hear.
2: And, and rightly or wrongly, you know, uh, during the championship run of the 90s for the Cats, I still hear uh, uh, oh, Billy Packer's voice, as grating as it was. <laughs> It's become a part <laughs> of it as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and real quick segue, I've, I've, I've rambled on a little bit, but my all-time favorite Billy Packer moment, and it's 1998. It's the Duke-Kentucky regional final. It's not Cameron's shot. It's not Scott Padgett. It is McGlure wrestling around with Wojo. And Billy Packer losing it, losing it, and saying, Jim, oh, God, what is he doing? I,
0: look, that,
2: <laughs> let me just say that I may be a bad person. Uh, that's entirely you know, that's debatable. But that moment just makes me laugh. Like, it is hilarious <laughs> because McGlore at that point isn't even doing anything. Wojo is acting like he's being tortured, and Billy Packer just <laughs> loses it just loses it. <laughs> and my second Billy Packer highlight, two thousand five Cat Michigan State, when Sparks hits the shot and then goes over to the scores table and you can hear the non-Sunday school words he's directing at Billy Packer. Th- that, <laughs> those are my two Billy Packer highlights. I'm gonna throw them out there with you know with the, the cold uh, of the basketball season rolls around, those two memories will keep me warm. Because right or wrong, I think those are
1: hilarious. And he went over and gave Billy five too, I believe. He slapped five with him. He walked yeah, a and, and gave yelling him at the <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but yeah, but
2: Jim, what is he doing? Oh, that I need to, I need to find that and 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 uh, and, and tweet that out because that was absolutely amazing.
1: Uh, it sure was. It sure was. We will catch a break and thanks again to Tom Leach for coming on, the voice of the cats himself. And we will get into a little bit of this Kyrie trade and and whatever else floats our boat for as we wrap up the second hour of the show, episode one forty six, Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown. Running Hardy Radio Network, com. Y'all stay right with us, because we will be right back.
0: Yeah, you can't buy happiness. I mean, that made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's a different so Now that I've found that, the world seems a lot better. Because I can
1: Tom kind of covered it in his answer. She was asking, uh, do the predictions of wins and losses go down with the injuries to uh, Cole Mosier and uh, Dorian Baker? And across the board, really, you know, not really, uh, because there's a lot of depth at those spots. Uh, Tom kind of said the same thing. I asked him how bullish he was on the cat because that's, you know, he's asking a lot of guys on his show how bullish they are. And then Tom himself is very bullish on Kentucky. The optimism uh, is very high as far as Kentucky maintaining what they did and potentially going on to build on uh, what they did last year, kind of using last year as a foundation uh, to go ahead and take another step forward in a positive manner. They fight their way up the SEC ranks. So – uh I would say that Tom's predictions were not affected by the losses of of Mosier and Baker, and that's just a testament to the depth and a testament to the recruiting.
2: Yeah, uh, I think right out of the gate, he touched on what we had talked about beforehand was because Kentucky has built some depth, obviously you don't want any injuries. Uh, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but if you're going to – to have them uh, better it, it, it's good to have some some guys that can that can next man up you know every coach says that you know i think every coach in the history of sports you know probably going back to the ancient greek olympics has said okay next man up and it's one thing to say it but, this, <laughs> but these guys can these guys can do it and you know my whole thing on the quarterback debate is steven johnson he, he's he's got to be the guy with what he was able to do last year, but as we saw last year, well, you need another guy to, to be right there in in having that depth where you can actually have this discussion of of you know this this quarterback debate or, or what have you. Uh,
1: I think that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, For, and it's to the point where I mean it, it would, would have to to play out for us to see it but it's to the point where the feeling is you can put any of these guys out there and and do well whether Stephen Johnson um, and and suffice say you hope nothing happens to any of these guys but should something happen to Stephen or should he struggle and drew Barker's put in if what you're hearing from drew Barker um, and and Still got to take a hit. Yet yeah, a lot of the guys that are playing will, will still point that out. But based on the progress he's made to getting himself back ready to play, and the decision making and the improvement he's made there, you would feel good putting him back out there. Gunnar Hope, we we saw him play well in the spring game. That's not the same as a real game, but the coaches aren't just terrified if they were to have to put him in the game either. So that's, it's, it's, it's rare, maybe especially for Kentucky, to, to you know, not be dreading. It. So let's see what I'm trying to say. Normally you know, there would be a sense of dread when you, if you have to, you know, dig that deep into the depth chart at the quarterback position. And that's, for by all accounts, not really the feeling this year. There's not a sense of dread. There's confidence across the board in all three of them, and that's a good place to be.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. You can have a legitimate uh, conversation about you know <clears throat> what guy could start. I, I, I subscribe to the belief, but you could talk about Barker getting the nod. I mean, I, it, it, it's different, uh, and I don't know how. Else to, to say it, but I just feel different about this team. You know, I uh, I, I said ten wins. You know, nine, eight, eight to ten wins. Hey, I, I feel very confident in that. But like Tom said, they're going to have to to fight because you can you can really talk yourself into some wins, but you can also see hey, there's some there's some pitfalls here. Uh, so, uh, Coach Stoops and company really gonna have to work hard to keep these guys kind of on track.
1: And that's definitely the case. And also, like Tom said, you and I don't know if I've ever felt this way with the fact that they have a legitimate chance in every game. Normally, you know, that's a win, that's a win. Oh, God, that's a loss. Oh, you know, and <laughs> I don't have that. Oh, boy, that's no shot. I don't have that in any of the games, which is why I picked them nine and three and you picked them 10 and two because <laughs> that's, that's kind of just where we are. That's how good you feel about what they've got going into this season.
2: And, and look, uh, I saw this make the round yesterday. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, caller to the fine bomb show, I think had the Cats going 10 and two and, and, and meeting the winner of the Iron Bowl in the SEC championship game. And a lot of folks that wear red and black have been having some fun with it. And, I, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'll be the first person to say 10-2, and two, okay, 10-2 and two Kentucky sounds bizarre. But, again, just looking at the schedule, I don't feel like it's, it, 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 it's out there bizarre crazy. Because at some point, I believe the Cats are going to get to that point. And like you and I have discussed and, and, and folks have discussed all throughout Big Blue Nation, the schedule is, is, is favorable for that. The depth is there. The, the other team is the SEC aren't quite what they used to be except for maybe Georgia. Uh, so, so why not? I'm I'm for it.
1: I, I feel I feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, so, you know, they have to go out and do it, but that's still it's still a good <laughs> feeling to have. Uh, it's not one that we've had a lot, so you know, boo fancy, makes make fun of it. We're gonna enjoy it and, and enjoy the ride of this coming season.
2: Yeah, I, I feel really. Um, uh, I, I feel good about it. So it's it's a it's, it's a good uh, it's a good time to be a Kentucky Wildcat football fan, even if it's at Kroger Field. So uh, I'm feeling good about that. Yeah. So
1: are, 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 we, are we ready to
2: dive into Kyrie and and, 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 yes, and that?
1: Yes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we we both were just expecting that yesterday. Were we not? Man, let me Let me just say That
2: uh, I'm old enough to remember When the NBA offseason Was just the draft You know The the finals were over There was a draft And then there wasn't anything Until October But the way the NBA is now This I mean, it's been just Week after week after week, and, and rightly uh, or, or wrongly, uh, I think you can trace that back to the decision. It wasn't as much as, uh, you know, LeBron was the first uh, free agent superstar to take his talent somewhere else. Uh, I'd like to point out, you know, Jerry West bringing uh, Shaquille O'Neal to Lakerland. land. But, but this became a production. And and this offseason has been even more
0: bizarre
2: than most. Uh, Not bizarre, but just action-packed. But with Kyrie Irving going to Boston and Isaiah Thomas, (coughs)
1: too, going
2: to Cleveland, that's a a (laughs) huge, huge move. And uh, it's easy to say what team's the winner, what team is the loser. I think, uh, and and I think Colin Cowherd he tweeted out, you know, congrats to Boston on you know being the Eastern Conference champions in twenty eighteen, nineteen, you know, so forth. Look, man, I'm not from Missouri, but you got to show me somebody keeping LeBron from reaching the the NBA Finals for it to happen. (laughs) Uh, I think just. And I'm not you know, getting the next nose. I think uh, Isaiah Thomas is going to be a, a very good compliment uh, to LeBron, not the finisher Kyrie was. You and I have gone on and on about how the angles he takes, the shots he's able to even get off, uh, I think. Uh, he's very unique in NBA history with that skill set. But uh, yeah. he, he balanced that out with, we, we've seen what Isaiah Thomas can do. And it's no secret that when LeBron goes out against Cleveland, they're worse. So if LeBron can get some rest (laughs) during the regular season and Isaiah Thomas can kind of at least keep things even statistically, I think it's a win for the Cavaliers. And with the uh, Nets' first-round pick, you know, if you are Cleveland and you're saying LeBron may leave after next year, if you can lock down Isaiah Thomas and bring in a, uh, another top pick, I think that's as, that's as good as you're going to get it, I think. Uh, so I don't hate that move for uh, Cleveland at all. Because um, I think as Cleveland's team is right now, and, and people want to say, you know, do you blow it up? Look, they got to the finals and have gotten to the finals with relative ease the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a blow-up situation. You tweak some things. You know, they may be, you know, I don't think they'll be a 500 team, but they may not, be, they may not come out as gangbusters at the beginning of the season. Uh, and I think that Coach Tyron Lue will figure it out, and, of course, LeBron will figure it out. Uh, I'm excited because I think LeBron's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And I'm excited about how that's going to manifest itself throughout the 82-game regular season and into the postseason. You know, the talk of Durant surpassing him and now Kyrie not wanting to play with him, I think all the great (laughs) ones kind of have that chip, and I think we may see him uh, really amp it up. You know, it's been a couple years since he won an MVP Uh, I think he still has uh, some juice left in the tank, so that's going to be interesting. Now, Boston, on the other hand, are they a better team than they were last year? I think so. I I think that we're probably going to see a rematch uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals between Boston and and Cleveland. Uh, I I love the Gordon Hayward signing. I think Kyrie gives them a a great one-two scoring punch, and you still got smart. Uh, to be a quality guy They still got some rotation guys That are going to be very very good Al Horford and, and whatnot. So I think it's one of these trades I think both teams got better From what they wanted to do this year And moving forward uh, So I, I, I can't hate this trade It caught. I think it caught everybody off guard But I really can't hate it for either team
1: Yeah And I mean you know, Danny Ainge had kind of been holding on to those picks. And for Cleveland, which, I mean, we all know LeBron's probably, I guess, probably still going to the Lakers. But to get Isaiah Thomas, Crowder, and a top probably three pick because the Nets are going to be awful again, man, that's for for the goofy – to sometimes dumb, ignorant stuff Dan Gilbert has done, this <laughs> this is going to work out pretty good. Now, I mean, LeBron might still leave, but the, it won't be like Cleveland was before they drafted LeBron or after LeBron went to the Heat, unless they find a way to mess it up. I mean, uh, you know, he probably shouldn't have ran the GM off. You know, probably should let him stay. You know, LeBron didn't like that guy, but they still should be sitting fairly well in the East. Should LeBron go on and play for your Los Angeles Lakers if that's what he chooses to do? And, and that's
2: the thing—you you, you can have uh, Isaiah Thomas and some really good pieces with a top pick, and as you said, in the East, you're still going to be competitive. Even yeah. without LeBron. <laughs> so uh, I, as for Cleveland, it's it's a great deal for uh, Boston. Uh, like I said, I don't hate it either. They they feel they were kind of a uh, uh, you know uh, uh, a top quality score finisher away from from, from challenging Cleveland. Uh, so I, I don't hate it. I I, I think it's going to be a fun matchup for, uh, in the playoffs, but during the regular season, I think there's going to be some of those made-for-TV matchups now, Kyrie returning <laughs> to Cleveland. You know, uh, LeBron, and uh, I want to say during the playoffs on the undefeated off of ESPN.com, they are a highlight of two games where LeBron became that dude, that the, the man, and the one game was, uh, and I can't remember the years, but where he scored like 23 out of 24 of Cleveland's last points against uh, Detroit. and kind of pushed the Pistons out of the way as he ascended up. And the other was uh, the 40-point game he had to close out Boston in game six. I want to see that LeBron. We have seen him be phenomenal. He was in the finals. I want to see chip on the shoulder LeBron. Uh, because that, I, I think that is going to be something to behold. So there's going to be plenty of matchups that we want to see in the regular season. You know, a lot of folks maybe are not uh, NBA fans, you know, you and I are. I think this adds to the intrigue. It it, it really does. Uh, because also John Wall and the Wizards, I think, will have some input on how this goes down. Uh, you know, I, we we can't just crown the Warriors champions right now. A lot of games to be played. Minnesota, I think, is a very intriguing uh, situation. Uh, so it's going to be, I, I say it all it's going to be fun. I, I'm definitely excited.
1: Absolutely. And you, and you talk about the Maze TV. I mean, Cleveland and Boston play opening night. October 17th, we're less than two months away from, you know, seeing, I mean, in a short-term one-game situation, who got the better of the trade. Uh, of course, you know, Cleveland doesn't have the top pick from New Jersey yet, but they're going to be on the floor in less than two months, right after this trade just went down today, or August, well, yesterday, August 22nd, uh, See how Isaiah Thomas does with the hip injury that forced him out of the uh, the conference finals against Cleveland, but you know Kyrie is going to be playing against Cleveland and LeBron in game number one. You know Crowder and, and those other guys are going to be playing against Boston, uh, and maybe IT will be ready to go. We'll see, but you don't have to wait long. You know when when Durant went to Golden State. He had to wait till like I think, March before he returned to OKC or something like that. Not so with Cleveland and Boston as they, they get together in game number one.
2: Right. It, 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 that's just right off the jump. So I, I'm excited. I think this NBA season is going to be better uh, because of the limited of the back-to-backs, and they really restructured uh, the schedule. And for all the talk of what the NFL has been about as far as safety, the NBA is really looking at the data, listening to the players, and making a change that's worthwhile. And it it benefits everybody. The players aren't going to have that grind. You're going to get better basketball. You're not going to see guys missing marquee matchups. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, So I think the NBA is, is getting it right. Uh, versus even the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think you mentioned the Lakers and, and Shaq being brought out there by Jerry West. We've seen you know big stars change scenery before, but what about you know you got Magic Johnson and this this tampering story? when it came to Paul George, and they didn't even get Paul George, who ended up in Oklahoma City. Of course, he he might end up in L.A. a year from now. But is this just the, the Pacers being sore losers and just trying to make something where it's not? Or did, did you got Magic, you know, kind of try to tamper and talk to Paul George, who is a SoCal guy, Did Magic break some rules Last week we were talking about Jerry Rice and Stickham This week we are talking about Magic Johnson and Tampa Come on now Your guys are acting up every week Well If Magic Johnson if, If
2: Magic Johnson is saying Would you rather live And play In Indianapolis Or would you rather Live work and play In Los Angeles That's really all he's got to say if you got your choice, I, I mean, I, I really haven't read a whole lot into it. Uh, if, if, if I'm just as a Laker fan, I'm thinking, do you really have to tamper to get someone to leave Indianapolis? I mean, <laughs> you know, well, the thing that kills me about it, the thing that gets me though, is uh, oh, I just lost my. I just lost, Paul George said he wanted to go to the Lakers. I mean, he said that himself. Right. So that's the confusing thing to me is, uh, and I know there's there's different rules on tampering, but he he said kind of un uh, unprovoked. Yeah, I want to go play uh, for the Lakers. So right. my thing is, <laughs> if the guy says that, then you know you should be able to talk to him. I mean, that's just that's just my truth. <laughs> I honestly, I I've seen some articles, haven't really read thoroughly on it. I don't know how that's gonna work and. You know, I think the the burden on tampering is high as it should be, uh, because I mean, what does that what does that even mean? You know, did he reach out by phone? You know, I don't know what the tampering entails, what it would entail. Um, so I, I I don't know. It's going to be uh, I'm going to be intrigued on how this goes, uh, because I don't know. How the league would go about punishing LA, with it being one of the marquee franchises, I don't I don't know, uh, especially, and this surprises me a lot. A lot of Laker fans still have a lot of uh, a bad taste in their mouth about the Chris Paul deal that wasn't, and how David Stern was a little heavy handed with that. So I don't know if if Silver wants to come in and drop the hammer on some tampering, you know, whether or not it happened, I I don't know, but I just don't know if as a league, you, do you really want to hammer the Lakers twice in in a, in a a relatively short amount of time
1: as a Laker fan? I certainly hope not. Well, I mean, you know, why not? You know, y'all got 17 titles, a couple, couple hammer blows, this punishment won't hurt. It'd be all right. That'll be okay. Well, it's, it's it's sixteen,
2: but I do thank you for for keeping track. Yeah, and you're and you're right. <laughs>
0: no,
2: don't, don't give it. We're, we're still behind the Celtics, and and and, and we're coming uh, for them. But yeah, uh, I I don't I don't know. Uh, I mean, Magic being Magic, uh, I, I like I said, I, I want to know what the substantive claim is. Did Magic call Paul George? Did he invite him to his movie theater? Did he uh, offer him some Pepsi? I I, I don't know. You know what what it what it is they're really saying that the magic uh, the magic did, uh, or, or or what the Lakers are supposed to have done. So, um, I, I just don't see the NBA hammering them as um, uh, as, as hard as, as as some
1: folks might want to. Well, they they probably won't. They'll you know they'll be so mad at the Lakers they'll you know do something to. Utah or something like that. That's probably how that will go. But uh, Oh, wow. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, 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 shall, <laughs> we shall see uh, for sure. Um, real quick, uh, you know, we were all excited. Football season is here. Uh, Seneca took it on a chin against Fern Creek. So you guys jumped into yeah. the game against y'all's rival right off the bat. Uh, so, hopefully, it'll be a little bit better for you guys against Moore in game number two. And we'll say congratulations to Harlan County because they beat Ashland Blazer 49 to 28. And they have a big one coming up against Hazard this coming weekend. And Hazard's always been tough, even before the schools in Harlan County consolidated. You know, Hazard was always a tough game. They had some some nasty boys over there for those Bulldogs. So hopefully hopefully the Black Bears will be ready for them. Uh, congratulations to Eddie Creech and the staff on, on starting off 1-0 and 0, uh, and hope they keep it rolling in week two. And speaking of Harlan County, again, Channing Tatum, I mean, I'm not even I – I don't know if I've seen one of his movies, but he popped through our home state of Kentucky. He was in Lexington. He was in Moorhead promoting Logan Lucky, the movie he's in. No, all the ladies love Channing Tatum, but uh, he also stopped in Harlan County to promote the movie and was really affected by what he saw because, I mean, the coal industry is nowhere near what it used to be. We go back years and years ago. Both of my grandfathers put in 35-plus years underground in the mines. My dad worked on site didn't work underground, but it's been underground, but worked at various different mines uh, in the warehouses and things like that, doing purchasing and things of that nature. Uh, but there was never a secondary industry of any kind, you know, to fall back on as a region, not Harlan County, but Southeast Kentucky as a whole, should the coal industry take a downswing. And it's been going down for years. Uh, so, Tatum was moved to try to, to help and was moved by the people and, and all the people that he met. So, he's going to try to do some things to help the people of Harlan County out. So, that was cool to see. And, congratulations to him for doing that. And, you got to have a lot of respect uh, for him for that. So, I wanted to, to touch on that uh, as well and give him props. Uh, I'll have to go check out Logan Lucky. At least I can do is see what Logan Lucky is like even though I'd never seen any of his movies that I know of prior to. Well, I, I like
2: 21 and 22 Jump Street uh, that he was in uh, with, uh, with Jonah Hill. Those are pretty good. With Ice Cube uh, as well. Uh, that, mm. that, that was, those were uh, some good films. Now, real quick, uh, there was a poll done by uh, CBS Sports, their college basketball folks, You know, periodically they do these polls uh, every summer of these anonymous coaches where coaches or uh, folks in college basketball get to anonymously pop off. In previous years, it's usually been to make Coach Cal look bad, like what coach do you think is dirty and what program underachieves or whatever. That's usually what happens. This year is a little bit different. This year it was all about two programs Uh, that we are familiar with, the University of Louisville and the University of North Carolina, and their ongoing NCAA issues and the potential for banners to come down. And uh, Matt Norlander of of CBS Sports said 58% of the coaches polled think Louisville is going to officially have to vacate that 2013 title. And which, which struck me as odd, and for my money, they all need to come down. I mean, that's just me. But I, I think uh, the point he made and some of the coaches made in their comments was the Louisville situation is such an open and shut case. It is such a – well, number one, it's just, as we've said, it's a gross story. It's just gross. When you read the details, yeah. it is just, Really? It's a gross story, but uh, a lot of the coaches saying, you know, he had to know what was going on, you know, for the number of incidents and the period of time. Somebody besides Andre McGee had to know something. And and so a lot of folks are wanting to, to drop the hammer. So I thought that was interesting, that little tidbit uh, of information.
1: Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times you won't really see – Coaches weigh in on fellow coaching brethren, but this this situation <laughs> they, they didn't have a problem with it.
2: Well, and and a lot a lot of what we've touched on before, and the, what I just find the most mind boggling of all of Louisville stuff. And I don't want to go on a tangent, but nobody has nobody has fallen on their sword like. Whatever the NCAA says about North Carolina, somebody has gotta lose a job. If you get these these type of infractions, somebody's gotta go. And that has just not been the case. And it's just it's just a weird, bizarre situation, but I, I did want to share that information. I did retweet that uh retweet that out.
1: Yeah, yeah, so A lot of stuff still to be determined with Louisville. Uh, From a university standpoint, you have kept up with the the Young Center deal. Wrote a great article on that on CameronMillsRadio.com and all the latest uh, events from that. So uh, it's always something going on over there. Uh, I mean, to have this much stuff going on, it's hard to do, um, but yet they they consistently keep some stuff going at U of L. Yeah,
2: uh, you, you know we're all in glass houses when it comes to uh, <laughs> this type of thing. I, I, I get that, but man, there's just so much going on. It's just,
1: woo. So, uh, absolutely. Just had to,
2: just had to, just had to share that. So. This summer, there's just been a lot going on. That's, you know, we didn't have the Olympics this year, but there's just been so much going on. And here we are, right at the start of football season. And uh, uh, as you point out, my my alma mater took it on the chin pretty good against Fern Creek. And uh, uh, so it, it's football season. It's it's it, it's soccer season. Volleyball season has started up. Uh, my girls are playing lac- not lacrosse. They're gonna get me. They're playing field hockey this year. Uh, Little Miss got a goal last weekend, so she's pretty excited yeah. about that. So it's it it it's, it's, it's fantastic.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So definitely gonna be a lot of fun keeping up with their seasons. And you mentioned lacrosse. even though they don't play lacrosse. Um, my question was, I mean, uh, we know I mean, Jim Brown played lacrosse as well, one of the greatest athletes of all time at Syracuse. I always would have loved to have seen Barry Sanders play lacrosse. I mean, can you imagine him breaking those dudes' ankles and him just scoring goals
0: <laughs>
1: with ease if he played lacrosse? I mean, we saw what he did to free safety, the linebackers, you know, those little defenders with the stick or the wicket or whatever, Coming up, trying to stop (laughs) Barry Sanders when he's on the move. I always—that's just something, you know. Random thought I always had. It'd be cool to see Barry Sanders play some lacrosse.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, the undefeated, which is a great site by the way, uh, off ESPN.com had their poll of top 50 athletes. I think of the last 50 years, I believe. and it was it's great to kind of read. it. You can debate, you know, the, the best athlete, uh, but for my money, uh, Barry Sanders. I mean, he could make a four-yard loss look incredible mm-hmm. and just
3: just ridiculous.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would put him as as my top running back I've ever seen play. Not to yeah. take anything away, away from Emmitt Smith or, or Walter Payton, but he wasn't a big guy. And it wasn't like he was delivering, you know, stiff arms and running guys over. You just couldn't hit him. And
1: yeah. uh,
2: it, it, I encourage young kids just to watch. I don't, you know, he got his highlights, but I mean, there's just I, I can't even put into words just how he would navigate around and never really get, never really get popped. And you think about he did <laughs> not have, you know, your Cowboys offensive line. And what solidified mm-hmm. it for me was in one of those Barry Sanders, how great he is, co- compilations, uh, his, his one of his offensive linemen said they would purposely scheme to not block guys and just say, that's Barry's guy. Barry will make that guy miss. Yeah.
0: How, how yeah, I'm, insane I'm
2: is that? It, it, <laughs> and, and just, I mean, just absolutely insane. And I think he was one of the few 2,000 yard rushers that, after the 2,000 yard season, didn't drop off. You know, by all intents and purposes, he could have gone another year or so, eclipsed Emmett's rushing record, and then rode off into the sunset. Barry Sanders was that dude. And I don't think we talk about him nearly as much uh, as we should. Um, because he was, he was great for a long time, and the Lions were terrible. I, I saw a tweet yeah. not too long ago talking about Calvin Johnson, you know, basically saying <laughs> only Detroit, being as bad as they are, would run off two of the greatest to, you know, to play their positions. Only the Lions yeah. would, would do that. But, but Barry Sanders was, was fantastic. And it was one of the treats uh, watching the Lions when they were on uh, uh, Thanksgiving especially when they would go with those, those throwbacks where it was just the plain gray helmet and just the blue jersey and the gray numerals, and it just looks like they look like a little league team. And Barry Sanders would just <laughs> I mean, him on that Pontiac Silverdome turf was just, it was unfair. It, it really was. And I think he was an underrated yeah. pass catcher receiver as well. Uh, so now that we've gotta kind of, you know, been been talking about Barry Sanders how and how great uh he was.
1: Uh, that was that was uh yeah. He 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 was great. He was he was really, really good. Yeah. And I mean I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan. And and I'm I'm with you. I mean, I always gonna love Emmett, but just from point A to point B, pure running back after the handoff, what you do with the ball. You, you couldn't beat Barry. I'm not talking about picking up blitzes. I'm not talking about catching passes out the backfield. And that's stuff running backs can do. I'm talking about just pure running back. Seven yards deep, in the eye, getting the pitch, getting the handoff, a sweep, a dot, whatever it is, a counter. Once the rock is in your hands, then what do you do? I mean, you, you couldn't. And, and poor Barry, his dad, would never come off of Jim Brown. You know, my my boy is good, but Jim Brown is always my favorite. I'm like, man, man your son, I mean, and I, I I can understand Mr. Sanders on that, but, look, man, your son is Barry Sanders. I mean, come on, man, give him a little more love. Yeah. but, you know, Mr. Sanders always stuck these guns as, as far as, you know, Jim Brown is the best I ever saw in, in this, that, and the other. Um, but just from pure runbacks, you know, i never forget when they're playing Tampa Bay, <laughs> and John Lynch, the GM of your 49 is now, comes up to meet him in the hole, <laughs> and he still <laughs> wonders where Barry is at. And, of course, I mean, he can't feel bad because he's not the only elite defender that felt that way. But uh, my oldest son is all about, you know, ankles getting broken and, and seeing crossovers when they happen and things like that. And just saw a highlight of somebody get juked. I think it was in one of these preseason games. He said, like, "Oh boy, he got his ankle broke." I was like, "Man, I'm gonna have to show you some clips of Barry Sanders." So I'm gonna enlighten uh, my eight-year-old on some of the ankles that Barry used to break. Uh, I think it was
2: Michael Crabtree kind of left somebody broken down uh, in the dust, which was pretty was pretty good to see. But Barry Sanders was just fantastic. Uh, and, and what I try to say to the young guys, as, as, as we get older, you know, when our dads uh, were talking about, you know, Jim Brown and, and, and the great players of their era, uh, yeah. you you see a clip here, a clip there. The people we grew up with, you can see, you can you can I mean, there's no limit on the video you have of these guys and being able to see how good they were. Uh, and, and I challenged some of these young guys, go see. I mean, Barry Sanders, I haven't seen anybody like that. I mean, guys that are paid big money to hit people, and I don't remember him ever getting blown up. I mean, there probably is. But, you, you know, it would eventually be one guy hanging on for dear life, or <laughs> and so his <laughs> friends came. But but Barry was making people look
1: absolutely silly. Yeah, there a few gangs where, you know, the, and it was usually division rivals, you know, Vikings, Packers, uh, maybe Tampa Bay when they started to get good. a few games where teams would, would shut him down. Uh, we know he had a lot of negative runs uh, and, and all that. But there's a few games where some of those teams would kind of bottle him up for an entire game. You're like, oh, my God. Barry Sanders had, you know, 46 yards on 21 carries. He got shut down by whoever. But, I mean, as a rule, the home run was coming once, twice, three times a game. It was a matter of when he was going to break it. And then you already talked about the dazzling one- and two-yard runs he would get, you know, and, and how he would make guys look silly even on his game, minimal games. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely fun and and you you love watching him you know they would come on before the Cowboys on Thanksgiving I'll never forget I don't know my freshman sophomore year in high school they played Dallas on a Monday night games so I think the, the one or two years that they were good in 91 92 that year they went to NFC title game and lost to Washington they Dallas in the playoffs. That was Dallas's first time. You know, Jimmy Johnson was in the process of building them. They went 7-9 the year before, then they made the playoffs went 11-5. Beat the Bears, played the Lions, and got destroyed. Uh, that was like Barry's pretty much only really decent year. Uh, and You can understand why he got frustrated and retired early. Um, but that Monday night, they played in Dallas, and it was just kind of – you know, Emmitt would do something, Barry would do something. Emmitt would do something, Barry would do something. And I'm getting sleepy. You got to get up to school the next morning, but I can't go to bed now. And, and the Lions end up winning in overtime, and I was just, just you know, back when you are in high school, you just take every loss so hard. Just so disappointed. And, you know, a couple guys you go to school with are the Lions fans, so the next morning in class they're just talking junk and, you know, giving you a hard time. But, you know, Barry – was going toe to toe with Emmitt, and we know how the teams were, how much more superior those Cowboys teams were. But Barry just flat out wasn't going to be denied on that Monday Night game. Yeah, uh, he he was he was special, uh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, this show was special and it was fantastic. And thanks to Tom Leach for joining us. Thanks to you being here each and every week, it's always fun, I'm going to tell you, and I think we're already off the air, but for those who've listened on the podcast, got a huge gift, that's going to be coming on in mid-September, we one of the weeks in there, it's going to be one of those, quote, such an honor to have this person on, September 13th or September 20th, I think is the Wednesday it is. So y'all continue to keep the eyes and ears out for that. Uh, But it's going to be just like when we had Derek Ramsey and Sonny Collins, just like we had Dick Vitale, Bernie Bickerstaff, Tom Leach. It's going to be just an honor to have this person on. So excited to uh, get the I's dotted and T's crossed and get this hopefully set up for the next couple weeks. But another fun one tonight. Have a great evening. Continue success and fun to Big and Little Misses, respective seasons. And, man, have a lot of fun covering the game. The, the, we didn't get to talk about the alumni game and the, and the legends game and all that, but you're going to be in the house. So check T Brad underscore 80 um, and, and all the social media outlets because that's going to be a fun night as well. Yeah, you know, anytime you get to go in a rump, it is
2: special. So I'm excited about that. So, yeah, follow along. I'll put some stuff on Cat Talk as well. So, it should be a fun time.
1: Absolutely. Man, appreciate the TV. Thanks again to Tom Leach and everybody listening. We'll see everybody again a week from now. Y'all tune in again here on Facebook Live and we'll do it all again. And we will be, it'll be game week. It'll be the Wednesday before the Cats take on Southern Miss. So,. The excitement is there. We're almost made it. Thanks again to my man TV. And everybody, we'll see y'all next week. This has been Catch Talk Wednesday, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, logtalkradio.com. Catch y'all next Wednesday.